0: My name is Justin. I am an addict and a son of an all-powerful and all-loving God, and the host of the Rico Twelve Speaker Meeting Podcast. What a blessing it is to be here, to be sober, to be in recovery. The miracles that happen are real. I just want to emphasize that. Today, I did a little bit of a um, unique thing. About a month ago, I had a uh, recording, a live webinar. Uh, speaker meeting, a Rico 12 speaker meeting with Anita H. And as soon as we got done with it and I hit end, I realized that I had forgotten to record. And so I posted a Justin's Mistake Part 2 episode for just a few minutes of it. And over the last month, month and a half, we've been trying to reschedule with Anita and things just haven't quite worked out. Um, And we got something set up for today with her to do a pop-up style RICO 12 meeting, but uh, she just wasn't feeling very well and wasn't up to doing a live Q&A. So, <clears throat> so she and I decided, hey, let's just have a quick interview and talk about a few things. And, you know, it was really powerful. On one hand, I really enjoyed getting back in the interview seat. It's been a little while since I've done an interview like that and that's not quite true i've done a couple of interviews for another podcast that i am a co-host of and i'll i guess i'll drop that in here it's called pathway to recovery it's a joint project between sa lifeline foundation and sal 12 step and we do some interviews and some uh, quick q a episodes in between the interviews on the topic of sexual addiction as well as betrayal trauma uh in in sexual addiction so anyways there's something that you can go check out if you want it's called pathway to recovery but anyways it was really cool to sit down and do some interviews or do an interview with anita and just allow her to talk a little bit ask some follow-up questions do some back and forth with it and it was a really great conversation i really hope you enjoy it Um, one thing a couple things that i want to throw out there before we jump into the interview is a reminder to like review rate Rico 12 speaker meeting podcast as well as Rico 12 shares the other podcast the other project that Rico 12 is doing right now go check out Rico 12 shares it's a really cool shares only open to anyone anytime um, 12-step meeting Um, there aren't uh, like opening readings or anything like that it's just shares and each meeting is about four, maybe five shares. And there are now 20 of them up. So go check them out. And if you feel so inspired, record a share. And you can do that at uh, www.speakpipe.com forward slash Rico 12 shares. And you can also uh, listen to those anywhere that uh, you get podcasts, the same platforms that you listen to this podcast on. All right. Let's jump over and bring in Anita's interview with me. She she talked a lot about a lot of different things and just excited to hear some of those one-liners that really affected me and I think you'll gain a lot from her experience, strength and hope. Here we go. All right. So Anita, I'm really grateful that you're able to to sit down with me and have this conversation, I once again, I I feel terrible that the last time I forgot to hit record and lost it. You did a fantastic job this last time, and I'm excited to just have a conversation with you and learn a little bit about what your uh, your topic is. You talked about uh, you sent over navigating sobriety with drinking and non drinking friends and family. So first of all, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, let us get to know a little bit about you, and then we'll have a conversation here and talk about your your topic of choice.
1: Sounds great. So I'm Anita. I am a recovering alcoholic, and my sobriety date is 11-21-2018. Um, I used to be a chef, and because of my um, disabilities with my health, I no longer work. But um, you know, I, I'm just—I've been <laughs> been having a hard time this last month. Um, notoriously, May is a horrible month for me health wise, um, and so yeah, I'm just kind of recovering right now, and <laughs> it might be all over the place. Um, but I—I um, I have um, chronic pancreatitis and it has, um, evolved into pancreatic necrosis, um, which is where my pancreas is slowly dying. Um, and then I have kidney failure and, um, gastroparesis and, um, my pancreatitis is due to my alcoholism. Um, and so it, you know, I, I, Recently, I was just feeling like, haven't I been punished enough um, with my health? and um, but I know that with each um, with each experience I have with my health, I always end up learning something, and I'd rather learn something easier than this, but um. You know it is what it is, and i um, I have a dog. I don't have children, and um I've been born and raised in Spokane, Washington. and um yeah, I just let's get started
0: yeah, so so before we jump into your topic, I want to ask a little question about the the pancreatitis about that stuff, and we'll dig there for just a minute. Are you a candidate for trans for transplant or? No, you're not.
1: No. Um, the problem with pancreatic, um, transplants is very, very new. Um, and it's like been in the last like five, six years is when it's really started to kind of be experimented on and life expectancy afterwards and, um, all of that. And, um, they, they say that the great high- patients, um, from when you first get diagnosed, it can be fatal within 10 years. Um, I'm on a five and then with the necrosis added on to that, that's about a three year life expectancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so the, the, um, Yeah, pancreatitis or pancreatic issues, they don't really have any solution for like um, transplants and stuff.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, that's that's tough. And that's something that uh, and you mentioned, hey, am I not being punished enough? Haven't I already been punished enough? How do you try and maintain a semblance of I don't know if positivity is the right word, but a semblance of desire to press forward? in in these situations
1: um a few a few different ways um one is my family um you know i um i've battled with suicidal ideations for years and it all comes down to it i can't do it to my family um and the other reason the other thing that really helps me is by um being loud about it, you know, advocating and explaining, you know, what, what it's like. And um, more often than you would believe, I have people that will message me after, you know, I make an, an update on my health and they'll say, I feel this within my heart. I'm so glad you said this. And, um, and so, you know, just being there for other people when i when i help someone else it helps me feel better
0: you know i love how you said be loud about it i've never i'm sure that's a phrase that's been used before but for whatever reason that's the first time it's, it's ever clicked in my head how has being loud about it whether it be about health issues or alcoholism or any other issue in your life how has that helped you and how how can that concept help other people to be loud about it and not retract and and um be quiet about it?
1: Well, um, for me, it took a lot of, it took a long time for me to be comfortable with, um, with my illnesses. And a big reason was I was ashamed that I caused my alcoholism, uh, or my alcoholism caused my, uh, pancreatitis. And it doesn't matter. Um, how or why or what you are going through um it takes a lot of takes a lot of courage and a lot of not being afraid of judgment um because when I um yeah like when I said or what I said was um when I was first diagnosed with all of this and going through the whole process, I kept it very quiet. I didn't, you know I was so afraid of judgment. And one day it just kind of clicked. And I was like, I don't care what people think. Um, and I don't care. You know, people know I'm, I'm an addict, alcoholic. I don't care if people know that I have mental illness. Um, but what matters, like, what helps make that um, doable is just the, so many people that I have helped in my life in this last five years. Um, and that makes it all worth it. And, um, you know, it, it, depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, chronic pancreatitis, chronic illness. Um, it's a very isolating disease and add you know all four or five of those um together it's very easy to isolate and you know just have a pity party and you know just be miserable but um one thing that i i often say that you know people can roll their eyes out is you know do you want to be um it can um Oh gosh, no, I can't even think of it. Such, such a coined phrase for me. Um, um, anyway, along the lines of, you know, do you want to be miserable or do you want to be happy? Um, and so, you know, I, I, I try and be happy um, mm-hmm. because there's only, you know, it's it's easier to go the other way yeah and yeah
0: yeah you know as you're sharing that the the serenity prayer came to mind you know grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change you're in a place right now where there's at least with your help there's not a lot you can change right right um courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference so so is that where you try and dwell on hey the things that I can make a difference with because that's where that comes from yes the the happiness or the the sense of i don't know meaning the sense of of being able to to do something i love that okay so so i think the things that we've been talking about here can lead pretty well into some of the topics that that we've that you said hey i want to talk about you know living out loud or being loud about things um uh, uh, uh looking at the things that you can control and and just you know, not dwelling on the things that you can't Um, talk, talk to us a little, talk to me a little bit about uh, this topic of navigating sobriety with drinking and non-drinking friends and family. Tell me a little bit about why you wanted that topic and what, what you'd like to share with us here.
1: Yeah. Um, so, um, gosh, probably since I was like 13, 14, um, I used to fantasize about drinking never had tried it, you know, but I just was so, I, you know, I thought that was like an adult thing to do and, you know, grownups do this. So I want to be an adult. And, um, But I uh, come from a family of deeply rooted um, alcoholic addicts and um, on my dad's side. And I, um, I've never really had a relationship with my dad's side of the family. Um, my grandpa died from uh well, alcoholism and a stroke um that he had in the in right after I was born um and then I have uncles who were in Vietnam who resorted to alcoholism and um, uh drugs. And I did not understand that, um, that alcoholism and drug addicts, you know, addicts are, um, hereditary. And so I just, you know, as soon as I could, I was out drinking and, um, didn't really have a care in the world, kept it very hush hush with my family. Um, because I didn't want to, disappoint my family and um towards the end of my drinking um it was really rough because I had kind of lost all my drinking friends because of my behavior and I had lost a lot of respect for my family because of my behavior and um towards the end of my drinking career it was more obvious um because I was just drinking 24 seven. Um, and so, you know, I, I, just wish that I would have known, um, that alcoholism can definitely lead to, um, yourself having, you know, like it's hereditary. Um, and then another thing that I really struggled with was, um, I expected when I got sober that everything was going to be perfect. And, you know, I had a lot of damage to take care of with my family. And, um, and so, you know, on one hand, I am trying to make my family happy. The other hand, I've lost all of my drinking friends, um, because I don't, I don't want to hang out with someone that's sober. Um, and so, you know, it was rough when I first got sober. Um, it was really hard to to navigate, you know, feeling completely lost. Um, my whole life was uprooted and... Um, All of my comforts, you know, the alcohol, the, um, just the freedom, being able to live on my own, um, that was all taken from me. And, um, so, you know, I just, I, I feel to the newer people coming into this program, um, the first year is hard and it's so hard to try and please everyone or not offend someone and what really matters is you you're you have to be the only you have to be the reason why you get sober otherwise the chances of um staying sober are slim to none and I've seen it happen so many times with people that come in and then after a couple months it's hard and You know, you have to feel all your feelings and you can't hide behind the bottle. And, um, but I, I, I just want people to know that it does get better and it's easier with time. Um, and the, the one thing that has amazed me with, um, my 12 step program that I'm involved with is people genuinely love you from the minute I walked into any of those rooms, I have felt loved and I felt like I'm with my people. And if you know, if you're coming into this program pretty fresh, like just know that people are genuine and there might be some jerks um, in the mix, but for the most part, people just want to see you thrive. Um, So maybe um, for me, like as I've gotten, you know, to know people more and more, they're my family. They're my family outside of my family, and they can support me in ways that my own family can't support me.
0: Yeah, I love. Uh, I also love the rooms of recovery and the fellowship that's in there. The love, the real, the real that's in there. You know, oftentimes when I'm in different places, I can feel. Well, I, I can put on the fake mask too. You know, I, I want to yeah. fit in with everybody there, but uh, it always seems so shallow, but then I get into the rooms of recovery and it becomes real that the, most people are pretty authentic. And I love how you shared about that. One of the things that you said that took me to a passage from the big book, you know, you said something to the effect of getting sober did not mean that everything became perfect and then pages 82 and 83 of the big book, I'm going to read a couple paragraphs here, and then I want to get your thoughts on it. The, alcohol, right. yeah, the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others, his or her way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a person is unthinking when they say that sobriety is enough. They're like the farmer who came up out of their cyclone cellar to find their home ruined and to their spouse, they remarked, don't see anything the matter here, ma, ain't it grand? The wind stopped a blowing. Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead and we must take the lead and I'll pause there. So t- tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that passage and how you, your experience with that, that you just kind of talked about a, m- a minute ago.
1: Um. So first off, I love that. <laughs> A message yeah every time it just makes me smile I' like oh nothing's wrong here <laughs> um but for me um so uh, it's probably been almost eight years um, I had a DUI and I did not take care of it um I I was not not done drinking and so it just I didn't take care of it and I had a a warrant um for quite some time and a few years ago I finally got that taken care of and you know this is one of those things I just kept putting off putting off putting off but when I finally got that all taken care of it was a huge relief and, you know, it, other things, too, relationships, friendships, my family. Like, it took a long time for my family to trust me again. And, um, you know, it was every, every time I'd have to go to the hospital, my dad would search my room for empty bottles. And, you know, he would... He, to this day he, he's not allowed to go to the hospital anymore because he kept telling um doctors and nurses not to give me pain meds when I am I with pancreatitis that's extremely painful and uh you know I was watching <laughs> it's funny how these things kind of happen um I was watching a show called Hotel Hell with my parents the other day and it was. Uh, it's a Gordon Ramsay show, and he basically like kitchen nightmares. Um, but he goes to hotels, and, and there was discussion on this particular episode about um, how they have a son who um, had addiction and passed away, and um, you know, I was watching it, and I. I my dad doesn't really talk about my health too much, Um, but I could just see in his eyes, you know, that that fear that he um, that he had to experience when I was in ICU and stuff. And same with my mom, you know, still that like, whenever that kind of stuff comes up, um, it it's. it's a really hard thing for me and for them to think about. Um, and so not only just trust, but, you know, healing, you know, the trauma that we've all been through um, and the trauma of, not knowing if I was going to live or not. And, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know that show the other day just really hit me because um, you know, my, my dad and I don't have a great relationship and, um, it, watching that show, it, it humbled me, um, to, to the point of, um, you know, I, I, I had a lot of damage that I caused for my family and, um, you know, and I'm still, still working on it and, you know, my siblings and I are fine now and my nieces and nephews don't really remember much. Um, but with my dad, it's, it's a constant, constant, um, thing I have to work on.
0: In that relationship with your, with your dad and in, as you're working on it, what are some things, but well, let's, let's take a step back. And um, let's say that you're talking to somebody else in a very similar situation to you. How, how would you advise that, uh, that, that recovering addict, that recovering alcoholic to interact with their father, their mother, whoever they're having a hard time with that would help, you know, maybe help smooth things over a little bit, not quicker, but help smooth things over.
1: Yeah. Um. So one thing that I would say, and I, You know, I'm, I'm really good at taking, giving advice, but not good at accepting my own advice. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, give yourself some space. Um, if you, you know, if you are consistently having problems, you know, try and, um, just respect each other's boundaries and, um try and be the peacemaker. You know, you can't control what other people think, act, behave. You know, we, we have no control over that. But we do have control over ourselves. And if you allow yourself, you know, if you work on your, your fourth step and you work on all your, you know, you clean up your side of the street, then you're doing the best you can. Um but it's hard <laughs> and it's hard. Another thing that I would strongly recommend is you know, if 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 push comes to shove and there's yelling involved and stuff, try kind of really hard not to raise your voice. Because once you do that you, may, you know it's it it's not helpful. Um and, you know, just every once in a while, like for me, um, with my family, gratitude is a huge deal. And so every once in a while, I was like, thank you. Thanks for doing this for me. Thanks for, you know, dinner or whatever. Um, and it's okay. I mean, it, it, It's hard for me because I live with my parents. Um, But if you need to take space from your family and you can, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But yeah, just, you know, try and be the peacemaker. Try and love the person who is being difficult with you. um, Because they're, they're going through their own stuff. And the thing is, we have a program that works and we have support, we have um, you know, sponsors or fellowship. And if the people you love choose not to go into Al-Anon or something similar, they don't have any of those skills.
0: Yeah, I I love how so many things that you're talking about here. Thank you for sharing that and for giving that uh, uh, little talk about, you know, setting boundaries, showing love, being a peacemaker, uh, uh, separating if need be. Uh, And and where I was going with that, a lot of things you're saying, just take me back to passages in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I love on pages 66 and 67, talks a little bit about... uh, you know, those, it's talking about step four, making, uh, um, you know, putting things together so that I can make amends. Um, and when I go through these processes, um, it's called the sick man's prayer. And let's see. Uh, we realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick, though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us. They, like ourselves, were sick too. We asked God to help to we ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. You know, this is a sick person just like me. Uh, God, please help me be helpful to this person. And that's so much easier to say than it is to do. But uh, I love that concept oh, yeah. of, of that. So um, let's, is there anything else there that you want to touch on or can I jump over to a little bit of a different um, direction? Here. I
1: just want to add like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know I just have like one more little comment. Um, okay. I, along with what you were saying too, like I have a, all over my room, my bathroom, my phone, I have a saying that is bless them, change me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is one that I constantly <laughs> need to remind <bite> it. <laughs>
0: that that is good bless them change me guess what i'm putting that on a sticky note that's going to go right here on my wall of of quotes cuz i need that too good stuff because it's um i can't change them no i can pray for them but i can't change them i can only change myself or be changed by a power greater than myself beautiful and I think that also can go along with with this next thing. I mean, we um, one of the topics here is how do I maintain sobriety when you know hanging out with uh, drinking and non drinking friends and family. What are some situations in your life that uh, that have brought this topic to to the forefront?
1: Um, a few things. So um, recently, I um, attended a program for people who have mental illness, depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, just all, you know, just a good, um, it was a good course for me. It was like six weeks long. And I met some people, um, there who were, who became my friends and, um, a few months ago, um, I was invited to go to a going away party and the people knew because I would say stuff about recovery and stuff, um, in this classroom setting, they knew that I was sober and I, you know, I went with a purse full of black raspberry ice, you know, ready to have everything I needed and, I got there, and they were like, no, out of respect for you, we did not get any alcohol or pot, um, and that, that just was such a good feeling, because not, you know, for me, at this stage, I'm not too much offended by, um, by drinking in of me, or whatever, um, but it was just like, hey, these people have known me for like two months and they respect me that much. And, um, you know, friends, too. I went to the gorge last year for um, Dave Matthews. And I, none of my friends offered me alcohol or pot. Um, and um, I was offered a beer by one person I didn't even know, and um, I was offered pot by another person I didn't know, and um, you know it was so awesome to just be like, no, it's okay, I don't drink, and you know because I, I never thought I would get to this stage of my life, um, but you know I I just I think it's important you know, like I said, kind of at the beginning, um, that I, um, share, you know, my struggles, my, you know, everything that happens with me, with my health and my, um, alcoholism, you know, if I am open and honest about it, there are people who need to hear that. And friends that are like, you know, I'm intimidated. I don't think I can do it or whatever. And, Um, I have made a relationship with those people that, um, they feel safe enough to come with me, come to me with those problems, you know, with, I need help or my husband needs help or, you know, whatever. And the fact that I, am um, thought of to help out with those, you know, with my friends is amazing, Um, such a great feeling.
0: Yeah, and I I thank you for sharing that. And that's one of the purposes of this RICO 12 project is to see the similarities of addiction, the similarities of recovery, and to try and knock down that stigma, that, that shame. Because when I am silent about it, I just die. And others around me die. But if I'm willing to step up and say, hey, look, I've got an illness. I've got a disease that just about killed me. That for whatever reason, um, God put in, in my path this recovery that I tried to do on my own for, in my case, decades before I finally said, okay, well, I can't do it on my own. And now I have the solution in my hands. I have to open my mouth. I have to be loud about it because people around me are dying if I'm not. And Absolutely. I, and and you and I, and, and so many other people, Anita, we, we have the solution and it's not, it can't be a shameful thing to say, you know what, I'm an addict, but I have the solution if you want. And, and this sounds, this always sounds so arrogant when I say it, but I mean it. If you want what I have, I can show you how to get there.
1: Absolutely.
0: talk, Talk to me a little bit more about your experience with them.
1: Um, so I, um, during one of my hospital stays, um, Back in 2018, when I first got sick, um, my uncle came to town and he is one of the alcoholics that, um, I was, I was talking about earlier and he, um, he brought me, he, he joined the recovery program and he went to my hospital room and gave me a pile of books And, you know, it was like, I I started to read those and, um, get engaged and, um, you know, not at first, but at first I was kind of pissed off. I was like, who does he think he he is to to bring me these things? I don't have a problem. (laughs) Um, but, um, gosh, I lost my train of (laughs) thought.
0: So your uncle brought you a bunch of books, uh, when you're in the hospital.
1: Yeah. And so that's kind of where it started. And then, um, I finally went to some AA meetings and they shared with me that, you know, what we have so freely been given to ourselves, we must give to others. And so when I, um, you know, have people inbox me and say, hey, I need help, or hey, I just drank, and I don't know what to do, or whatever, um,
0: you know, I, uh,
1: I probably have four or five messages a day of friends, um, and who are so thankful that the stigma is being broken, because, even in the last ten years or so, the stigma of addiction has gone—not all all the way away, but it's it's gotten so much better. And um, you know, people genuinely just—they need that leap of faith, like okay, I know you can do it. So how do I do that? You know, and it's like, well, first, <laughs> you know, pray about it and, um, go to a meeting and, um, you know, and I've had friends that, um, one's a flight attendant and she gets to go to meetings all over the country. And it's so cool. Cause I, not that she shares, like, the details, but just listening to her talk after one of those meetings. So awesome. Um, and then I've had a couple cousins um, who have reached out to me and said, hey, I stopped drinking. Hey, I'm almost a year sober. And, you know, it's just, it's such a rewarding thing because, you know, this this program is hard. You know, it's hard until it's easy. Um, But, like, what I mean by that is, like, um, you know, when you're first getting sober, everything is so new. And um, so I was lucky enough to have people that cared enough about me to get me to go to AA and that's what i want to be for other people i want other people to feel like i thought enough about them to share this program of recovery with that i
0: love it thank you for sharing that um before we start wrapping up is there anything else that you feel like hey god's putting this on me that i need to say right now that you want to share with me and with us
1: um i think I'm, i think i'm good
0: Awesome, man. Anita such a good conversation. Thank you so much for being willing to come back and do this again and talk about it. I mean, I got, I got a whole bunch of one-liners here that are going up (laughs) on my wall. Be loud about it. Bless them. Change me. It's hard until it's easy. I mean, these are some powerful things. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with me and with so many people who will hear this and gain hope. And hopefully someone who is Um, Sitting in isolation will reach out to someone else and make that connection and that spark will hit and it will become, as as you mentioned here, easy, simple at that point. (laughs) Man, good stuff. Thank you so much, Anita.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Okay, now we'll launch off into the rest of our day with the step seven prayer that I will say. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me good and bad, I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. I've seen stars fall from above I've fallen in and out of love I've
1: been high and I've been low Now I know I just can't do this on my own I've seen a boy become a man Got lost without a plan So far away from home Now I know
0: I just can't do this on my own Your arms surrounding me Your touch is grounding me Is now I know that I just can't do this somehow. I'm looking for the words to say. Make the world a better place
1: And I can call that place my home Cause now I know
0: From above, I fell in and out love. I got high and I fell low, but now I know that I just
1: can't do this on my own. No, I just can't do this on my own. I
0: just can't do this on my own.